Welcome to the California Wireless Association podcast. We are proud to say that Kawa has been advancing the wireless industry, helping businesses grow, fostering connections between people, and impacting lives through the charities we support for over 10 years. We'll be coming to you bi-weekly with new topics, education, and lively discussions. Let's dive right into today's topic. Please welcome your host, John Coombs. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the California Wireless Association podcast. I'm your host, John Coos. I'm a senior vice president at Butler America Telecom and a Calwa board member. The purpose of the Calwa podcast is to highlight movers, shakers, and innovators and leaders in the wireless industry. We're almost halfway through 2022, which is shocking to me and probably to most of our listeners. Uh, Time flies when you're racing towards 5G supremacy. So... This brings us to our guest, who is one of the chief participants in that race, Daryl Hawkins, T-Mobile's Senior Vice President of the West Region. Welcome to the podcast, Daryl. Uh, definitely. Thanks for, uh, for allowing me to join the conversation, John. No, thank you so much. So before we truly begin, let's define West Region, because the definition is different depending on the organization. Let's start there. So what Western states are you over? So that's a great question. So uh, the West Region part of uh, T-Mobile consists of 16 uh, different states, John, and that's uh, anywhere from, you know, all the way up top to Seattle. Actually, we have parts of uh, Alaska that we, uh, we have some agreements with, uh, all the way down the West Coast uh, to the bottom of California, over to Utah. We have Montana. We have uh, uh, Mexico. We have... We have everything. We have like again sixteen states that are responsible for everything, pretty much uh, on the western part of the United States. Actually, we have Hawaii as well. Don't want to forget to throw that in there. So we have those sixteen states. Yeah, you don't want you don't want Holly Maldonado to feel left out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love Holly. So a uh, little shout out to Holly. She used to work for me back in the day. Um, so thanks again. So before we really get to chatting, uh, let me give our listeners a little background on you. You you have an MBA from Indiana Wesleyan University and a doctorate in business admin from Walden University. And you've been in the telecom industry for some time. Uh, you were at Verizon for eight years and on the wireline side and at Comcast for about seven. And you also served our country in the U.S. Marine Corps. And so I always ask my guests what their wireless store origin story is. But in your case, as with some of my previous guests, let's tweak that to the broader. What is your telecommunications origin story? Dr. Hawkins, how'd you get into telecom? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question. And I can tell you, you know, you know coming out of the Marine Corps uh, at a very young age, I was blessed to be able to go into the United States Marine Corps at, at 17. My mom signed me up for uh, you know, a program, which is called the Early Entry Program, because I graduated uh, high school a year early. It's something a lot of folks are not even aware of, but I was blessed to, to go in early and it was spectacular. You know, it was time spent overseas in Japan for a few years. And when I came back to America, my uncle worked for a small company called Bell Atlantic, which was one of the big bills, but initially AT&T was broken up on the East Coast uh, years ago. And ironically enough, that they merged all back together uh, a few years later uh, and formed uh, Verizon, when GTE and Bell Atlantic got together, 
uh, they formed Verizon. And the unique part about that was that when we were going through the merger, we actually had Melanin Mobile as well, which subsequently uh, merged with several of the companies to become Verizon Wireless. And throughout that time frame, um, you know, I was blessed to be able to have an opportunity, uh, John, to, to be involved in so many different aspects of the business. My initial um, entry into telecom was from a frontline perspective. So I was a frontline technician for what seems like forever, right? Literally, probably half of uh, my earlier career, probably five to seven years, I was a frontline technician learning old ISDN lines, installing DSL, installing T1s, and things of that nature that folks are probably not even, not even talk about as much anymore. As well as, you used to install telephone lines to customers' homes. Literally, used to install second and third telephone lines to customers' homes years ago, and I was you know, excited to do that. And then a few years later, they came out, John, with a product that they were calling Files, a fiber optic a product that the business said that we're about to deploy. And this was a $26 billion uh, plan that Verizon had at the time to deploy Files all across the country. And I was blessed to be one of the first folks in the country to deploy uh, this, this product. We tested it in a, a small base in uh, Quantico, Virginia, right where the FBI does their training at. It was a Marine Corps base, and we deployed it there for, I think it was like 120 homes that we deployed this FIOS product at. Got all the kinks out and worked everything out and gave them a great service. From that, they asked me to go uh, across the country to deploy this fiber optic product for them. So I left from uh, the D.C. area and went over to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. For me, coming from Washington, D.C., going to Fort Wayne, Indiana, I can tell you it was a really unique environment, which was a lot of cornfields. It was totally different from the environment uh, starting at uh, back in the D.C. area. But I was blessed to go there and start uh, this files product up there, $300-plus million fiber optic uh, project that we deployed out there. It was a great opportunity for me. From that, uh, I was placed into a rotational development program. I went into engineering, I went into drafting, I went into HR. Also went into uh, contract negotiations, and then they gave me an opportunity to go and run all of our sales uh, from a, a fiber optic perspective. Pretty much uh, small business, medium business, enterprise sales, as well as consumer uh, for telecom for Verizon up in the what we call uh, Pacific Northwest area. Pretty much with Jody runs that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So from that area, perspective, went up there and ran that, and they gave me an opportunity to go down to Florida and run all of our. Uh, operations down there for a unionized organization, which was unique because we were still deploying a fiber optic strategy as well as continuously focused on our wireless boat as well. Subsequently, I ended up in our headquarters in Baskin Ridge, New Jersey for Verizon and had a great opportunity up there to really focus on what we were looking to figure out how we can be more efficient. You know, I know a lot of things we talked about here at T-Mobile, the lean strategy, I was doing that at Verizon, uh, I think that was one of the last roles that I had there at Verizon. And I was blessed to be able to go through a Six Sigma course uh, by Villanova University that gave me some great insights on the demand process of define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And really gave me a great insight on how to really help us be more strategic from a telecom perspective and really looking for any inefficiencies to really try to drive that out of the business. But I did that again. And while going through this journey, uh, for the next, I think it was around 10 years, my last 10 years of Verizon, I did go to school, to your point, you mentioned some of my 
accolades, but I was blessed to be able to go to a lot of different colleges and take a lot of executive leadership courses to really help propel me into a great situation where I can understand uh, the focus around wireless as well as the industry itself. Because as we were transitioning more and more away from the conventional telecom services. Right. Fantastic. So um, you started really at the ground floor, like doing, you know, being a tech. Um, I I don't want to focus on it too much, but uh, I'm going to guess that you were in customers' homes, uh, learning kind of at a young age, but customer service is really like right i mean that's that's right there at the at, at, at the front line of customer service right uh john when i tell you that when i, when, you know, I tell you front line i can tell you some stories you know, maybe, maybe over drinks we can have some conversations about some of the interesting environments that you go into when you're oh yeah more personal than going to someone's home and then a front line tech you definitely see a lot but definitely also got to meet a lot of great people right and understand it is in the different environments and, and what really makes people take yeah yeah we we should when we, 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 we have a chance to see each other at a conference or something i'll tell you about my uh, my experience working for a, a canadian company back when i was 18 called rogers cable systems where i went to pole climbing school and i was an installer and and that, 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 that's for another time but I, I i can relate i can relate to the customer interface piece most of the time good but sometimes we, Weird. <laughs> Sometimes weird. But uh, anyways, let's talk about leadership general. You touched on leadership. You obviously um, pursued much, you know, higher education, really high education. And, you know, our listeners would probably love to hear about, you know, your military background with respect to leadership. You know, it's got a very rigid command structure in the military. And just wondering how that influenced and chartered the course for your leadership journey. Where did the Marine Corps structure and experience you know really you know affect your whole life on that on that front yeah great question john so you know one of the things i can tell you set the stage especially being a younger guy coming from a, a single parent household my mom raised myself and my sister you know it was unique in going uh, to an environment uh, in the marine corps where you had significant structure and i tell you significant structure one of the things that uh, you know one of the processes i learned early very early on in the marine corps is working together to win together like every single thing you do in the military is never about you. And that's one of the opportunities that I've taken with me throughout the course of my career, literally working together to win together. How we're going to be successful is through everyone, everyone winning, right? Everyone having an opportunity to have a level of success. If one person doesn't win, then we all fail in, in business, right? And that's the thing that I've taken from the Marine Corps. I can tell you, those, those lessons I would never forget back in the day in boot camp. In Paris Island, uh, South Carolina, standing there at attention and the drill instructors yelling at you when you didn't do something right and how it, it wasn't you that got affected by whatever mistake you made. It was the entire squad. Mm-hmm. So your entire squad had to deal with the consequences of your actions, right? Because, again, it's not about you. It's about team. And that's one of the things that I've taken, you know, John, from a leadership perspective. And, really, you know, to this day, if you walk around any of the buildings that I'm blessed to be part of, you'll see signs that says working together, pulling together. And that's how we're going to live. That's how we're going to manage. And that's how we're going to make sure that we drive success within our organization. That's my philosophy, right? It's all about team. It's about us. How can we help each other be successful, right? If one of us, again, are excelling at whatever we're excelling at and the other one is spelling, you know, we're not winning, right? Because it takes an entire, it takes a tribe, as some say, right? It's not about me. It's about we. Right. 
Well, yeah. I mean, while the stakes aren't as high, maybe in our current environment, where, but in terms of lives on the line and people getting potentially getting hurt, but I like that. I like that. You know, in the Marines, you all you all have to be rowing in the same direction, um, or people could get hurt. Um, but that still the, that philosophy applies to teamwork generally. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to tell you that you know. And we've seen over the years all the wars we've had, and you know, and even have some going on today in Russia. Some of the challenges that they've seen over there, I can tell you, if they don't act as a team, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to, to fight off some of the things that's happening in Ukraine right now. It has to you have to act as a team. That's the first thing that you're taught in the military. That it's all about team, and that's the same thing in business as well. Because if one part of our organization is successful, another part isn't. Overall, we won't win as a business. So those are some of the things and some of the philosophy that I continue to live by. Perfect. So as I've discussed with um, some of my previous guests, uh, the telecom world kind of had a paradigm in the past where the wireline world was kind of organizationally walled off from the wireless world. But in recent years, that wall's kind of crumbled. How, how has your long career on the wireline side of telecom assisted you in your new role at T-Mobile? Yeah, great question. So, you know, one of the things I can say, there's always parallels in regards to uh, the differences in, in earlier technology with futuristic technologies, right? If you think about, you know, how you know, I stated a little earlier, how I used to install one, two, three, sometimes even four telephone lines into consumers' homes. Now think about how it's a little different now that we're installing cell phones, or not necessarily installing, but we're, we're providing access for cell phone coverages for consumers. They're still leveraging the same services. It's just a different technology to provide those services. They're still having cell phones instead of, you know, two cell phones in the household. Now maybe two landlines in the household, maybe mom and dad has a cell phone, right? So you still have those two lines in there. It's just different types of, of services for them to, to be able to support that technology, right? Now we talk spectrum more than what we would do about maybe old copper landlines, right? <laughs> and I know a lot of probably older folks like myself probably can, can relate to the copper lines and, and the different colors of the repairs and things of that nature to now to talk about spectrum. And different layers of spectrum, right? So we talk about download speeds, upload speeds, things of that nature. The technology is totally different. And I can tell you, it's different, but it also has similarities as well, right? As we think about, you know, what really makes them go and what really makes them work. It's just that driving, having the strategic leadership in place to take advantage of uh, the spectrum presence that we have out there right now, specifically from a T-Mobile perspective. We talk a lot about the opportunities that we have. And again, back in the day, we didn't necessarily have that with the old copper lines. I mean, all we could provide, I think the best services we could provide from a speed perspective was T1s back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now that we look at what we can provide from, a, you know, with all the spectrum that we have here at T-Mobile, I mean, I'm, my goodness, the, the opportunities are limited with uh, 5G and some of the other technologies that we're working on. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm kind of personally moving away from the word wireless and opting more for telecommunications. I mean... Um, take T-Mobile's home internet as an example. I think uh, it could be, you know, it could be provided from a macro site, a small cell, or fiber. Um, it doesn't really, really matter how to the customer; they just want top tier, uh, a top tier customer experience, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely correct on that one. And I can tell you, nobody cares that T-Mobile owns around ninety-six billion of spectrum assets, right? And that we have more than anyone else in the country. All they want their phones and their services is just to work. Right, if you, talk, you mentioned our, our home internet product that we're now deploying, and I can tell you that's growing like wildfire. It's amazing how, how fast that uh, folks are adopting to this product. 
that product takes advantage of a lot of the power capacity that we have here at T-Mobile, meaning an available capacity that we have, you know, with our 5G product. It gives us additional opportunities to provide additional services to our consumers. But one of the things that's important for us is to make sure they get a great experience every single time because that's what customers are paying for, and that's what we're going to ensure that customers are providing. Absolutely. No, and it's a great brand. It's a trusted brand. So, you know, and with bundling and whatnot, it makes perfect sense for customers to have, have embraced it so quickly. So, you know, as the, you know, this, as I mentioned, the year's really flown by and it's probably flown by for you be, in particular because you've, you kind of had a fire hose of, uh, of information and stuff, uh, when you, when you got this new, uh, position. Um, and, but, you know, it'll be 2023 before we know it. And so, Without it divulging any like trade secrets or proprietary information, I mean, what can we expect to see from T-Mobile in 2023 and beyond in terms of infrastructure deployment? Yeah, great question. I think I just stated a little earlier that we have over $96 billion in spectrum assets, meaning we have the ability to continue to grow. Right, so we're going to focus on small town uh, rural America. We're going to continue with our smartphone penetration. And the significance with that is making sure that folks have 5G phones because if you have 5G cell phones, you have the ability to leverage the power of all that spectrum that I just mentioned. Again, earlier we talked a little bit about home internet, right? So we're going to make sure we continue to provide that home internet option for consumers because folks know that T-Mobile is a trusted brand, right? And that's if you come with us, you're going to get a great price and a great product as well. One of the things that in California that we're going to continue to focus on is definitely uh, being a good uh, corporate citizen and ensuring that we meet the, the FCC and CPUC requirements. Honestly, as uh, we've merged, uh, completed our merger with Sprint, I think we're supposed to do it next year, but we're going to close it out this year. So we're going to close the books on our Sprint merger, which gave us the opportunity to be 100 million subscribers plus. So we're going to make sure we meet all the terms of speed and also population coverage, what we call POPs, uh, by the end of this year, as well as to meet our six-year commitments. And our commitments is Overall, as a citizen of the community and building out rural areas, I can't stress that enough, with fast, reliable connectivity. That's so important because we already have uh, the largest 5G network. And within the six years, the next six years, we're going to make sure that we provide 5G coverage to 99% of all people in the United States. <laughs> Again, 99% of all people in the United States, and we're going to continue to leverage our lead principles like just in time and maximize efficiency as we go forward as well and and then we'll probably be talking about 6g even before that so it just keeps on rolling you know so um well thanks daryl i really appreciate it i mean it's great to have someone at your level um in an organization in our industry to talk to us today um the scope of what you see from hawaii to to Utah, Eastern Montana, to San Diego. Um, you've got a, a unique responsibility, and it's uh, I'm sure it's really dynamic, and you sound like you're having fun, and you sound like you're being challenged. So I just want to know, is there anything else you wanted our listeners to know about you know, T-Mobile, yourself, or anything before we uh, I let you loose? Yeah, first of all, John, thanks for the opportunity to come and have a conversation with you and your audience. I truly appreciate it. I really do. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm excited to be here at T-Mobile. T-Mobile is doing some great things to help businesses, government agencies, our consumers, to make sure they can leverage the power of 5G. It's so important. And guys, I want everyone to understand that 5G today is unlocking the innovations we didn't even know were possible a few years ago. And what excites me the most is that the vast majority of the products and solutions that are going to benefit from the 5G probably haven't even been invented yet. 
Right, so this is the key. So as you guys see us on TV and as we talk a lot about the commercials and radio and Facebook and others about, uh, well, you know, T-Mobile is talking about 5G. It's, it's the key. 5G is the future to make sure that your services will work properly, to make sure all your phones will work properly, to make sure that your IoT, you know, to make sure that, you know, four or five folks in your homes can leverage the technology at the same time. Security, voice, and collaboration. I mean, it's like great things you can do with 5G. So definitely do your research on 5G and learn more about the great things that can happen with 5G and T-Mobile wants to be their trusted partner to make that happen as well. Perfect. Thanks again, Daryl. Really appreciate it. So I also want to give a quick shout out to my friend and, I, and your friend now, um, Daryl, uh, Rodrigo De La Rosa. He's the vice president of Calwa, uh, who introduced me to you and helped facilitate this, uh, this interview. So thanks, Rod. Uh, I know you listen while you're on the treadmill. Uh, and thank you to all our loyal listeners. If you have any ideas about topics or guests, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And when you see a post on LinkedIn about this podcast, please consider giving it a like. It helps increase the podcast exposure. And very lastly, I want to highlight an up upcoming Kawa event, uh, the, the SoCal Summer Networking Event. It's uh, Wednesday, July 13th at the Red O Taste of Mexico in Newport Beach. Until then... Stay safe out there. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Until then, for more information, visit calwa.org. That's www.calwa.org.